You can create money out of thin air. There's just too much temptation for governments to not do that. They're eventually going to do it. And usually they do it for bad things, meaning they're going to go do have more wars um, and they're going to use it in ways that takes money from everyday people and centers it more in the hands of the very well connected, the rich. Um, and I think Bitcoin solves for that. I think Bitcoin really helps solve the war problem, especially the ongoing wars that um, the U.S. has been in over the, the, um, the last couple few decades of where, you know, being in Afghanistan for forever and Iraq and those kinds of things. There's, there's no appetite from the public to be going off and bombing these other countries and being involved with our military and if you can't fund it then it really restricts it and that's what that's what i think bitcoin solves for so that's that's number one um i, I think number two is that it really solves for helping people think long term versus short term mm -hmm. Hello guys, welcome once again to Bitcoiner, the podcast for Bitcoiners from a Salvadorian to the world. Today we have the great pleasure to talk with Daniel Harmon. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and welcome, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Juan. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, all right. So, you know, it's it's really curious. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I have seen the, the, the show. It's getting really popular between bitcoiners and uh i was curious because i ha i was seeing some shirts uh especially well i'm going to tell you how i discovered the the show uh because i saw a retweet uh, from several bitcoiners and uh you know i was i was one of them was uh daniel prince and you know also, also i think it's kaiser I, I don't know but it was um a lot of them i was really curious so i was I was thinking about, hmm, I, I'm going to do my research. And then I saw that the content is really great. So, but we will talk about, about the show, but, uh, you know, I, I like to start um, the podcast. So in order that our audience get to know our guests. So maybe if we can start by, if you can share with us a little bit about your background and about your professional career, what are you from? And uh, we will continue on that. Yeah, you bet. So, my background and my career prior to Tuttle Twins was in advertising. So I'm a mm. co-founder of an ad agency called Harmon Brothers that's known for big viral hits like Squatty Potty and Poopery and Purple Mattress and Chapbooks and Kodiak Cakes and Lily Deodorant and, and Skull Shaver and these different kinds of um, ad campaigns that have blown up and driven millions of views and millions of dollars in sales. And I, once I had been doing that long enough, I wanted to kind of tell stories of my own, um, not just do it for clients. I love doing it for clients, but I wanted to kind of um, do, I wanted to do either a feature, I wanted to do a feature film uh, initially, but I had mm -hmm. a friend, um, I had a friend, uh, named Connor Boyack that wrote um, a a series of books called The Tuttle Twins that taught kids about principles of freedom and economics. And I bought the first book when it was released and got really excited about it because I had always wanted a resource like that when I was a kid to help me better understand rights to life, liberty, property, those types of things. And um, I uh, I bought all his books that he had afterwards and once he'd had enough success with the the book series where he was getting into like the tens of thousands of copies sold he started throwing around the idea of turning it into um, a tv show and my partner and i we reached out to him and said well no we want to make it into a tv show <laughs> for, for you we want to be the ones to do it um and he was, Connor Boyack, the author of the series, 
was he, he really respected and, and liked the followed the work that we were doing at Harmon Brothers with the ads. And we had been following his work. And so we just kind of sat down together and worked out um, how we could turn this into a really fun show. And uh, we ended up doing a partnership with him and also our distribution partner is Angel Studios that's known for the, the TV program, The Chosen, which is about the life of Jesus Christ and um, told more from the perspective of the followers of Jesus. And it's been seen by over 100 million people around the world. And um, The Chosen became popular from crowdfunding, right? They, they were able to raise over $10 million to fund the first season of the show. And we decided we were going to use crowdfunding as well to get Tuttle Twins off the ground. So we went and crowdfunded and were able to raise over $3.7 million from over 8,000 people. And it was the number one crowdfunded kid show um, in history at the time. Um, and so from there, we kind of got on our feet, started making the show. And here now in season two, we finally got to an episode about Bitcoin and it's been very well received and spread around the Bitcoin community and um, is really helping a lot of people understand Bitcoin in a way that they never have before. So that's really exciting to see. Wow, that's that's so cool, the background. Uh, I mean, I love it. And uh, okay, maybe we can you can share uh, with the audience uh, what exactly is, is Doodle Twins? I know you already explained a little bit, but uh, what what is the story behind it? And uh, and I have another question that is uh, season one and season two are related or they, are there different episodes or how, how does it work, the, the inspiration of the show? Yeah, so it's based on the book series, like I said, that Connor Boyack wrote. And so it teaches about mm -hmm. principles of economics and freedom. So mm -hmm. things like rights to life, liberty and property, um, individual individual liberty, entrepreneurship, hmm. uh, the golden rule, uh, being able to um, understand things like inflation um, is a is a big one of them that we we touch on, and so that's what the show does. It teaches kids about those principles, and we have we we have a a grandma with a time traveling wheelchair. And she takes her her grandkids, the Tuttle Twins, back in time to learn from famous figures in history. So people like Frederick Bastia, like um, Milton Friedman, like um, Annie Turnbull Malone, Benjamin Franklin, James Madison, um, Harriet Tubman, uh, all Rosa Parks, all these different um incredible figures in history and they dive in and learn these lessons and then come kind of come home and learn how to apply them in their own lives and so it's a little bit of sort of science fiction and adventure and comedy mixed together so, some of our inspirations for the show have been shows like the magic school bus that obviously has a lot of education with it but mixed in with comedy and adventure things adventure elements from Feels like Phineas and Ferb um, and The Simpsons. And I know a lot of our writers are inspired by Rick and Morty and um, mm. just a lot of uh, Gravity Falls, a lot of shows like that. Yeah. Where Those are really kind of, cool shows. Yeah, yeah. They're really, they're really fun shows. We've kind of brought some of those elements together in a really sort of family-friendly way where we've intended it as a co-viewing experience where parents and kids can watch together, both enjoy it at the same time, and then have critical thinking conversations around the dinner table about things like inflation. Of like, oh, where does inflation actually come from? You know, mm -hmm. is it is it all from corporate greed or is it from inflating the money supply? Like actually, like actually printing more money all over the place, right? When you when you inflate the money supply, you cause the prices to, to rise everywhere. So um, we talk, we talk about all those things inside the show and season one um, kind of has a lot of those elements in it. And it's in episode three of season two, where we get into Bitcoin and understanding what 
makes money hard versus what easy money is. And that when money is easy to make, society begins to break. And that's kind of the lesson that the kids take away from it. So I don't know if I answered your original question or not, but I yeah, said yeah. a few things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, uh, it's, it's, it's really fun. And you talk about inspiration and, uh, you know, I'm seeing your background and I'm seeing that you're a fan of Star Wars and also ET <laughs> and BBA. So there are also inspirations or, or do you like them? Or what is the inspiration or, or, or why do you have them in the background? Because I, I love all those shows too. All the yes. So, um, <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of Legos, as you can see from behind me. Um, oh, so are, are all, Lego? Those are Legos. These are all, these are Lego sets. Uh huh. Oh, and there's so cool. and well, that one right there, that's Wally. That's not ET. That's yeah. Wally. Oh yes, yeah, true. <laughs> sorry, it's Wally. Sorry. That's okay. I mean, ET is great too. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I I very much fell in love with Star Wars when I watched as a kid, and that has also been a bit of an inspiration for the show particularly when I've learned how George Lucas kind of came up with Star Wars, mm -hmm. that he was drawing inspiration from things like the samurai films and the Western films that he'd watched. And uh, the uh, from comic, comic books, he was kind of pulling inspiration from all over the place to make the Star Wars story. And that's a little bit of what we've done with, with Tuttle Twins as well, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and uh yeah i just think um i'm i'm basically making a show that i would have wanted to have as a kid and that i want for my kids i have seven kids and they're they're i i'm always running our scripts by them and making sure that the jokes are working for them that the story makes sense to them and that the lesson is clear for them and they're kind of my little built-in in the house um focus group to kind of <laughs> test test our 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 content and make sure it's going to work for um a broader broader audience so they help me out a lot that way that's so cool i i was laughing i, I was containing my laugh because you know that uh today actually i went uh, with my nephew in the morning there's a exhibition here in barcelona that it's from pixar actually that they brought it from okay. boston yeah, and, or we already oh, cool. saw in the morning Wally. <laughs> oh, and great! Also, yeah, and also The Incredibles, and also what else? Uh, Monster. Well, all the movies that are from Pixar, you yeah. know, and and they showed yeah, the process. How, yeah, but the, the incredible stuff is that uh, there's a museum here that is called Cosmo Caixa, and uh, so the idea to bring those things is that you can see through math and science. Uh, how they make all the the process of of the cine or the cinema, you know, since you make yeah. the first drawing to the last steps that is the rendering. So it's it's really amazing. How, and how do you make the shapes of every form? For example, in Ratatouille, how? <laughs> no, don't worry. Uh, how they make all the forms? Uh, for example, a triangle, uh, a couple of triangles that make the cheese and uh, everything. So it's really amazing and uh, it's really cool for kids um, to know all this stuff from uh, different angles because they see it on the movies, but it's also important that they know how these things are built, right? So uh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, what is amazing about animation is that essentially everything you see is by choice, right? Everything has to be created from scratch. And so when you see the environments and the backgrounds and all those little things like the texture on the cheese and stuff like you were talking about, all those things are choices that have to be made by artists. And so it all has to be created from nothing. And that's what's kind of amazing about animation is the level of control you have um, as well as just how many people have to contribute to make something that just appears on your screen that way. Because when you when you film live action, which is what I used to do with the advertising, you know, sometimes you you are shooting out outdoors and then you you are kind of getting stuff um sort of accidentally in the way that the performer is performing or just like the the weather or the trees or the different things that you have you don't have 
as much control over it, but it, but what's really interesting about animation is every single one of those little things is is a choice by an artist, and so it's it's kind of fun to see that come together. And and how how much time uh, does it take to produce an episode? Because I was an watching episode. that, yeah, because I was watching one example of as every uh, on a scene from. It was from Coco, and uh, they were saying like. It took from 50 hours to 80 hours to produce like one shot of, of a scene. And I was like, wow, that, that's a lot of power of rendering to produce. Yeah, that. yeah. our rendering is not nearly that um, because because it's 2D animation and not 3D. Yeah. And it's much, mm -hmm. it's much more simple and much more flat colors than what you mm -hmm. see in like a Pixar film. Um, the rendering time is not um, is not nearly as crazy. Um, our an our animation our animators deliver final rendered shots to us. We plug them into the edit and then we do a final export of the film. And, and that's not that bad. But when they actually render those out, it's not it's not nearly that much time. What I would say is from when we start writing an episode until we finish it and it's ready to go live on the angel app um that's where you can watch it there for free is um that's seven to eight months um, okay. from very from very beginning to end and we're always wow. producing more than one episode at a time so mm -hmm. yeah we we might have you know five or six episodes that are all either being written or that are being animated or that are being storyboarded or in different stages of production that can be all happening all at once. All right, all right. And all right, you already mentioned um, that season two has this episode about Bitcoin and uh, I think most of Bitcoiners we already uh, saw it and, it and it's amazing. But before talking about that, how was your rabbit hole journey? Let, let me know how, how do you discover Bitcoin? I had an older brother that started talking to me about Bitcoin. He had been doing some research and found it on the internet. This was clear back in, I think, 2012 or 2013. And he started telling me about it, like this digital money. And I was just kind of like, what? A digital money? Like, can't you just, like, that doesn't sound very secure. That sounds stupid. Like, you can just copy and paste that. And... And then he started helping me understand the concept of the blockchain. And when I understood that, that like one computer, that all these different computers basically have to verify the math, right? They have to verify the transactions and kind of keep each other honest and that there's a built-in incentive to do that. When I kind of had that aha moment of like, oh, this is completely... It's no, no one person can just kind of manipulate this and all the computers in the network have to say that this is, this is the truth right here. This is really the way that all the transactions have gone. And when I understood that, I was like, oh, that's cool. And I decided to buy some Bitcoin. And when I bought it for the first time, I think it was in 2013, um, it was at $110 per coin mm -hmm. um, for Bitcoin. And so I, I, I bought my first Bitcoin And I think I might have bought like two like two bitcoins or something like that. It wasn't very much. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as it jumped up to $135, I sold it because I was like, oh, I made like a you know like 25% gain. I did that in like a month. This is amazing. And <laughs> um and then it quickly shot up over two thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and um and I did eventually buy back in to Bitcoin, but never at that yeah. price again mm -hmm. <laughs> um but that was what when i first i first had uh had been introduced to it so i started i think i started buying back into bitcoin when it was around like eight hundred dollars and i bought i bought some and, and accumulated a little bit um even i think all the way down to four hundred dollars this might have been the lowest i got again um when it when it you know sort of yeah. dipped back down But um, I kind of talked to my kids about it over the years and kind of helped explain it to them. And they've had moments when they put in some of their money to Bitcoin. 
um, like a little bit of their savings and a little bit of their spending money. They they bought they put in just little bits, you know, nothing nothing crazy. Like, oh, I want to put in this twelve dollars, Dad, that kind of a thing. And um, and so my family has been exposed to it for a while. And then um, one of the executive producers um, is my brother uh, Jeffrey. He had kind of been suggesting we should do an episode on Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, I don't think that it's going to make sense to do that in season one. But now that we've built up enough confidence with our, um, uh, with our audience and they understood what we were doing with the show and knew that we were really trying to help them understand these principles of freedom and economics, then I think we had enough trust to be able to approach a subject like Bitcoin because not everybody, not everybody loves Bitcoin, right? There's a lot of controversy around it. But we really wanted to help people understand that concept of hard money and how Bitcoin fits so well into that, how it really stops um, the power of governments to manipulate money, manipulate a currency to go and do a bunch of things that we, the people, don't want them to do, you know? And um, so... Uh, we decided to dive into Bitcoin and hopefully explain it in a way that they've never seen it before, where they, um, the grandma and the twins go into the internet and learn about Bitcoin from Satoshi Nakamoto. And we have Satoshi, you know, we always have his face covered up like this, yeah. right? Where we, we always, um, kind of like Wilson from Home Improvement. If you remember Home Improvement back yeah. in the day, there was that character that always kind of cover his face with the fence. You can never really fully see him. We kind of do that with Satoshi Nakamoto. So you don't really know who he is. We kind of keep him, we keep his anonymity. Um, and then he explains to them how 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 the blockchain works, um, how Bitcoin does fall into the category of hard money, like, like, gold, um, like gold does. And how when you adopt Bitcoin, it, it, it brings a lot more stability over time. Like, obviously, there's a tremendous amount of volatility um, in Bitcoin compared to other things. But when you look at it, for those of us that have been following Bitcoin for a long time, the volatility is actually relatively low compared to what it was, right? In the early days, it was crazy, but it's 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 slowly becoming much more predictable. Um, and it it's shown itself to do a really good job of holding its value long-term. I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, the average year over year growth of Bitcoin, it's just, it's amazing. And it really probably says less about how, how much Bitcoin is. So it, it, it's, it's less about how Bitcoin is just skyrocketing in value. It's more about how um, fiat currencies are getting destroyed, right. By governments. That's really more of what it's of what it's saying. Uh, absolutely, I I love the approach uh, on the show, and uh, so one thing that I want to also ask you is that do you remember this uh, aha moment? But not about Bitcoin, but when you realize that uh, because you know there is Bitcoin and there is crypto, so the point that you differentiate between one another and you say, all right, Bitcoin is the, the best solution that we have already for the problems of fiat money and the uh, cryptocurrency well is at the end is are the, the same problems right of, of, of fiat uh do you remember that moment or it was more a process or how was it yeah when we were writing the episode we had a lot of debates of whether or not we talked about crypto in general or whether we focused in on bitcoin and ultimately this is a show for kids it has mm-hmm. to be understandable for kids. And so we wanted to make it as simple as possible. And the most simple thing was to focus in on Bitcoin because it had it's the most tried and true. It's withstood the test of time the most. It has it has um, that 20 million coin limit set on it where a lot of other cryptocurrencies don't that um, really keeps it, um, makes it hard money. And it was more for simplicity than, and understanding than it was like we wanted to hard sell anybody on Bitcoin. We weren't trying to do that as much as we were trying to help them understand it. Uh, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it is an investment like anything else. You'd only want to put in money that you're willing to lose. In many cases, we say those kinds of things in the episode and we're not trying to 
necessarily say Bitcoin is the only way forward or anything along those lines. But I do believe if it's not Bitcoin, it's going to be something very much like it that is going to long term change money as we know it and for the better, very much for the better. Um, I think it likely is to be Bitcoin um, uh, just because it's got the first mover advantage. It is very likely to the network effect is very hard to overcome in that sense. There's so much support for it. There's so much of a there's so much a community around it. And then there's a lot a lot of technology building being built up around it to kind of um, to kind of support and help its shortcomings. And so that's encouraging to see. Regardless, so we just felt like that was the best way to teach it, the most simple way, rather than talking about all the different kinds of mm. crypto and all the different concepts behind that. Right, right. And one question: If, if imagine that you don't have uh, the show, um, how do you think is the best uh, approach uh, to make kids to start understanding the concepts of not just Bitcoin, but uh, as you mentioned, uh, hard money, easy money, and how do you transmit the core of the message to to the kids? Because you know it's. There are kids, so they don't know yeah. the complex of everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would always say just start with the show because there's there was one guy that he said, you explained in 20 minutes what I couldn't explain to my wife in 7,000 hours. He said something along those lines. <laughs> um, uh, I think for kids, if you're going to talk to them about Bitcoin, one of the best ways to talk about it is in the sense of a bunch of connected computers that talk to each other. And when one computer says, you know, this is how it is, this is how this transaction happened, then all those other computers either say, yes, that's right, or they say, no, that's wrong. And then it's rejected. And I think just on that basic level, that's kind of how you understand Bitcoin is, is there's a bunch of computers talking together and one might, you know, someone might be on one computer trying to do something that's, um, that's deceptive, that is, that is not true. They're trying to steal money. But then there's all these other computers that help say, no, that's not the case. And that alone is going to protect um, Bitcoin. And I think them just understanding that alone was very helpful for my kids when I talked to them about it. Um, I I think even when they watch it, there's still going to be questions. We don't get into, into anything in the show about um, things like the ha the happening that, ha that happens with the with Bitcoin. We don't get into um, uh, the fact that, you know, the the eventual end date of Bitcoin of like the year twenty I forget what it is twenty ah yeah the the hash rate you mean the, no no the yeah. halving sorry the halving the, the happening yeah we don't get into all those kinds of details just because I think they're more support for the main thing that when you have a bunch of computers that all have the same record and if one computer is trying to do something bad all the other computers can stop it that alone kind of helps people understand how this is working and that um, all the computers are essentially getting paid to do that, right? They're getting paid to, to help keep Bitcoin honest. Then I think they, they start to understand how that works, um, especially when you're saying there's only 21 million of these that are ever going to be created. And then think of how many dollars are out there, you know, think of how many dollars are being printed. Um, that that starts to help them understand, oh, like for my kids, I, I would say to them, if, if you have an Apple and I want to buy your Apple from you and I pull out a hundred dollar bill, are you going to want to sell me that Apple? They'll be like, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and And then I say, but what if that entire mountain, so we live next to a giant mountain, what if that entire mountain is made of $100 bills? What if that's just all $100 bills and anybody can get that those $100 bills? Then are you going to want to sell it for that Apple? And then they're like, oh, yeah, that <laughs> won't be very valuable anymore. It's like just understanding yeah. that a little bit kind of helps them wrap their head around. Well, once you just make money available just like that, like crazy, 
where just it's any amount of it that's available, then yeah, there's no value in it. They they can start to understand that idea of supply and, and um, the the kind of relationship between supply and demand. Um, and that it applies to money just the same as it does to apples, to bananas, to to cars, to computers, to houses, to anything else. That's so cool. I love how how you explain it to to kids. I think it's a it's a really good example because yeah, you have to go to the basics in order to explain something something really complex, right? And mm-hmm. uh, uh, all right, I have another question for the show, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really curious because when I contact uh, to your team, uh, they told me that you speak Spanish. So how does it come? Sí. And uh, <laughs> ¿cómo, es que, ¿Cómo es que hablas español? Cuenta un poco la historia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yo hice una misión um, por mi iglesia en um, el año 1990. 1999 y pa- pasé um, como un año en Lima y um, seis meses en, en Ayacucho, Perú, y seis meses en Chincha. Y ya, yeah, un, un gente increíble, muy... Um, uh, un tiempo para mí, um, uh, especialmente, uh, especialmente impresionante porque... Um, aprendí a, a servir mucho más. Um, me encantó la comida también. <laughs> ¿Tienes un plato uh, favorito? De, de, porque una cosa... De, eh... de Perú, um, sí. Um, durante mi misión, um, había una regla de... de uh, en, 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 en nuestra iglesia, una misión es un, un área um, ge, geográfica. Okay. Um, uh, um, porque como yo yo yo, yo estaba sirviendo en, en Lima en diferentes partes así y hay un presidente de misión como hay, hay como 200 o 300 misioneros en un área un área particular y el presidente de mi misión tenía una regla de no de no comer el pez um, no cocinado Ah, como sí. um, en Perú el plato típico es el ceviche uh-huh. y pero yo no podía comerlo porque había misioneros que lo habían comido y, y se enfermaron um, se enfermaron y había dos misioneros que um, que se murieron de un de un mal plato que habían comido como uh-huh. hace dos años antes que antes que viniera yo y wow. um, lo que lo, lo que um, entonces no, nunca probé nunca uh, nunca estoy probé, probé. Sí, yeah, probé. Nunca, probé nunca, nunca probé el ceviche en en Perú pero um, en en Chincha hacen un plato que se llama um, carapucra con, con con sopa seca y mm-hmm. era era mi plato favorito y um, <risa> pero no no lo hacen en los restaurantes peruanos aquí no, no, no lo hacen, pero sí sirven um, el ceviche y yo, yo ya he, he probado el ceviche aquí y me encanta. Es mi, mi plato favorito del, del Perú, aparte de la, la carapucra con sopa seca que, que hacen casi solamente en, en Chincha um, del uh, de Perú. Pero, um, ya, yeah, y, y como yo pasé más o menos ocho o diez meses de, de mucho um, dolor <ríe> porque yo yo no yo no cómo se llama no escucho bien o no no entiendes no sí no no entiendo el idioma muy bien como uh-huh. yo tengo una mente cuando cuando yo no cuando no entiendo lo que una persona está diciendo sí. mi mente 
Sí, va, se, va, se va por todos lados. Um, sí. es, ya, ya, mi mente está en los cielos. Sí. Sí. No estoy entendiendo lo que tú estás diciendo. Entonces, sí. uh, me uh, duró. Uh, era muy difícil para mí aprender el idioma, pero. A ver, uh, Eventual, eventualmente yo, yo um, aprendí a hablar más o menos bien, <ríe> pero mm -hmm. ya yeah, hace más que 20 años que no, que casi no hablo mucho español. Um, yo, mm -hmm. yo, yo, fuiste con, yo, yo fui con mi familia um, el año pasado a, a México a hacer un, um, a pasar una semana de, de servicio en un orfanatorio. Um, uh -huh. con, con mi esposa y con mis, con mis hijos y uh -huh. um, yo, yo, yo hablé el español por, por una semana pero no, no lo hablo mucho pero no, pero está bien y, y antes lo uh, o sea, ¿sabías algo de español? ¿habías aprendido en la escuela? ¿o fue en Perú que aprendiste? mi mamá de... trató de, de enseñarme un poco de español cuando yo era joven um, yo, yo sabía algunas palabras como el baño, la comida, casi sí. nada. Pero cuando, cuando, cuando llegué al Perú, hablan tan rápido. Bueno, los peruanos sí. no hablan muy rápido. Los mexicanos sí, sí hablan súper rápido. Um, y, y cantan en, en, su, <risa> en, en su, su, su manera sí. de hablar. Y en, en México es de, de, de cantar, así. Sí. En, en Perú es, es casi, lo, lo hablan muy claro y muy despacio en comparación con muchos otros um, países. Um, sí. Pero um, para mí era, um, estaban hablando muchísimo rápido y, y, y fue, uh, era muy difícil um, entender lo, lo que estaban diciendo, aunque yo sabía muchas palabras. No podía, no podía entender todavía. Ok, sí. No, pero es, has aprendido súper bien. La audiencia te lo dirá. Te dejará en comentarios que sí lo hablas súper bien. Uh, porque Gracias. es así. <ríe> sí, no, y lo, lo que te quería contar era que eh, un buen amigo mío, que de hecho es mi compañero de piso, tengo, de hecho vivo con una amiga de mi país y un amigo de Perú. Entonces, uh -huh. eso. Y él... Un, a veces cocina comida de su país y es muy bueno entonces por eso te oh, quería sí. por, eso, por eso fue la pregunta del platillo porque es muy rico y mm. de México sí tienes razón tengo familia también de México que son de México y, y sí hablan totalmente diferente es, es lo que me gusta de Latinoamérica que cada región tiene su, uh -huh. su entonación ¿no? de cómo hablar el español <risa> y es lo mismo en los Estados Unidos como la, la, la gente de, de Texas Habla de una manera muy diferente que la gente de California o de Nueva York um, o de Florida. Todos tienen una diferente manera de hablar. En um, Utah también tienen acentos distintos y palabras diferentes que usan depend dependiente de la cultura y de, de uh, las cosas que pasan allá. Pero es, 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 es casi lo mismo. Um, pero creo que hay aún más diferencia como um, la, la, la gente de Argentina y de, y de España y de México. Creo que hay aún más diferencia en, en, en la manera de hablar en español um, uh, entre los diferentes países um, uh, cuando uno lo compara con la, las maneras de hablar de los diferentes estados de los Estados Unidos. Ok, ok, sí. Uh, bueno, antes de volver a las preguntas del show, una última cosa y es que uh, ve a El Salvador. <ríe> Te invito a que vayas a El Salvador. Uh, sí, me, me, me encantaría ir a, a, a El Salvador porque um, uh, es ya es la ley en El Salvador que Bitcoin ya es, ya es dinero, ¿no? Sí, sí. Ajá, se reconoce como, como dinero. Sí, entonces creo, deberías... Creo que eso, eso, eso solo va a tener mucho poder de, de um, como ayudar a salir adelante el país, ¿no? Sí, de hecho han pagado, bueno, gracias al, 
al, no solo Bitcoin, sino que todo lo que ha conllevado eso, más el trabajo del gobierno con la seguridad, más, uh, bueno, la ayuda de Bitcoiners de todas partes del mundo, uh, y bueno, es la educación, eso ha ayudado muchísimo a que el país pueda salir de... El camino todavía no ha salido de, de deuda, pero va el camino de salir de la deuda con el Fondo Monetario Internacional. Y sí, no, te invito para que... Entonces, lo opuesto de los Estados Unidos. Los Estados Unidos están metiéndose, estamos metiéndonos eh, mucho más en, el, en la deuda. Sí, pero sí, no, eh, que deberías ir a, ahí para que vayas a Bitcoin Beach y, bueno, a San Salvador, que es muy bonito. Uh, y vivas un poco la experiencia también como full Bitcoiner. Me, me encantaría, sí. A, a, algún día. Primero tengo que visitar uh, a, a los que están haciendo la animación de, de, de mi show. Um, lo, lo están haciendo en Colombia y tal vez yo, oh, wow. yo voy primero a Colombia y y tomo un avión a, Eso a, es a, genial. a Salvador también. <laughs> Colombia es muy bonito. Sí, sí, sí. Okay. Back to the show. And, th and thank you for, for the effort to speak in, in English. It was really amazing. <laughs> for real. Yes. You speak re really well. Uh, yeah. So... I, I, it's, it's sometimes just more remembering the words and stuff. Now I can, I can speak it, but there's, there's just a lot of words I haven't used in a long <laughs> time. So it gets, it gets a little tough there anyway. Yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, it's 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 normal. Uh, yeah, yeah. What? Uh, so the question that I was going to ask you before <laughs> this is space, <laughs> this is Spanish <laughs> space was that okay? So we we have talked a, a lot about the the show, the the episode, season one, season two. But uh, zooming out and looking at the show, what is the the main goal? What do you want to to achieve with the Total Twins? Yeah, so our mission is to um, teach 100 million kids about the ideas of freedom. That, that is what we're pushing towards. We're starting in the United States in English, and then we are going to, um, the show is available now in Portuguese. Um, mm -hmm. one of, Brazil is one of the biggest, uh, well, it is the biggest country aside from the United States that's watching the show. And then wow. um, the rest, the rest of Latin America, yeah, Central and South America, is also are their biggest market, markets. And so it's currently being dubbed in um, Spanish as well. So Ooh. we have it available now, dubbed in Portuguese, and then it will be available in Spanish um, fairly shortly. At least season one will be available, um, right. and then uh, we'll eventually be doing the same thing with with season two, but. We really want to help parents and kids understand the principles of freedom and think critically about them, to be able to have conversations so that when they hear things on the news and when they see different things that their, their governments are doing, local governments, um, big governments, they can say to themselves, wait a minute, should they be doing that? Is that really what governments are supposed to be doing? Or is that more of the role of the individual? And uh, we very much teach the show about the, the much more the perspective of the rights to life, liberty, and property, that that's the government's role is protection of rights. It's not the providing of, of needs and wants. And that when um, people have more freedom to make more of their own choices, then the group as a whole will actually be better off than if um, we're waiting on the government to solve all our problems. And so that's really what we want um, to teach about and really help people think critically about. And that's, it, it is, and it's all, it's not, it's not political party based. We're not doing it on a Republican versus Democrat yeah. kind of a thing at all. It's all just about teaching the principles and helping them understand them. And we, we don't use, we're not throwing out, you know, conservative, liberal, all that kind of stuff. We're not using that kind of language because it's not really important. What's That's just all the labels, the marketing labels that are used in our discourse today. It's really more about understanding the principles so that kids and adults can see how those are applied in everyday life. All right, that's so cool. And uh, since, uh... Another question is that uh, you're currently on, on season two, 
but it's not finished right so how how many post episodes are are you going to have if you can share and if there's going to be a season three and how how much episodes has season one <laughs> so season one has 12 episodes the plan mm -hmm. for season two is 11 episodes Um, um, I'm, I'm currently working on the 11th myself right now. I'm, I'm directing on that episode. Oh, And so we've released three episodes so far. We release a new episode on the first Tuesday of every month. We call it Tuttle Tuesday. So the first Tuesday mm. of every month, we do a live stream. It's on the Angel app and it's on YouTube. Um, and it's available to watch in both of those places. And then all the episodes are available that we've released so far, all 15 of our, our of them are available for free on the Agile app, or your audience can also go to tuttletwins.tv. So mm. T-U-T-T-L-E twins.tv. They can go there and, um, and, you know, find, find a place to download the app or, or watch it from there. And yeah, like I said, it's all for free. Um, we want to get this out to as many people as possible. And we have a pay it forward model where you can watch the show for free. And if you want to pay it forward so that other people can watch it as well, you can do that voluntarily, but um, we don't require that. That's so cool. Um, all right. So, yeah, because I, I was thinking that, uh, yeah, I have seen most of them I have seen on the, in the Angel app. And uh, I, I didn't know it was on YouTube too. That, that's so cool. And uh, that you say that you make a... You release it on Tuesday, but what do you, what do you say before that that you make a live stream or, or something? Or yeah, so we so on the first Tuesday of every month we, oh, we release okay. a live a live stream. Mm -hmm. It live streams on YouTube and on the Angel app, but on YouTube it's only available for a while, and then it um, and then uh, it's it's eventually taken down. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's available uh, on the Angel app for people to watch. You know, any amount of uh, people to watch for free there. So, and what do you do on the on the live on the live? Uh... Um, we just make announcements on the live stream. Uh, we stream the episode um, okay. in its entirety, but we make announcements about different merch um, oh, that okay. we are having uh, different. Uh, We, we sell different t-shirts and toys and things like that for kids to be able to buy and, and books that go along with um, each episode, um, graphic novels. So it's kind of like a comic book with, with each one. And so we talk about all, that on there. Sometimes we have special guests um, on the show uh, or different people that are helping us create the show or that are voices on the show. We feature them on there. And, and so that's a lot of fun too. All right. You know, uh, between Bitcoiners, we have this phrase that is called, well, we say it a lot that an independent the perspective of Bitcoin fixes this. So <laughs> I want to ask you uh, about that. Uh, what do you think that the, pro the main problems that Bitcoin for real, if not console, but do you think that it will be like a really good tool to solve some problems? And And uh, another question in the same question is, uh, what do you think are uh, the main problems that are happening right now? The, um, well, uh, in all the world, we have economic problems, but in the United States, for example, in the United States, uh, currently there's a lot of problems with, with regulation and banks. We have seen that some banks are already closed, even in Switzerland, for example, it happened the same thing. So what are your thoughts about that? I think the main problems that Bitcoin solves is that when you can create money out of thin air, there's just too much temptation for governments to not do that. They're eventually going to do it. And usually they do it for bad things, meaning they're going to go do have more wars um, and they're going to use it in ways that takes money from everyday people and centers it more in the hands of the very well-connected, the rich. Um, and I think Bitcoin solves for that. I think Bitcoin really helps solve the war problem, especially the ongoing wars that um, the U.S. has been in over the, the, um, the last couple few decades of where, you know, being in Afghanistan for forever and Iraq and those kinds of things, there's There's no appetite from the public to 
be going off and bombing these other countries and being involved with our military. And if you can't fund it, then it it really restricts it. And that's what that's what I think Bitcoin solves for. So that's that's number one. Um, I, I think number two is that it really solves for helping people think long term versus short term. Mm -hmm. So um, people will much be much more likely to invest in long things that bring long term capital gains, um, meaning uh, if you're if you're wanting to hold on to your money, um, if, if if you're wanting to spend all your money all the time because because your dollar is becoming less and less valuable, mm -hmm. then that makes it so you don't make as good of long term decisions as opposed to if your money is more stable, then you can invest more in the future because you don't have to worry about it losing its value. And I think that is is very helpful for. I mean, things like the arts, it's uh, it's very helpful for um, the infrastructure that we build in our communities. And um, I also think it just, it really, I, I think Bitcoin really helps solve for the problem of there's there's been too much in history of people trying to live off of the labor of other people right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Before it happened with slavery, right? Um, slavery was one of the big, biz, biggest examples of that. And now that happens more in the transfer of wealth from poor people to very rich people, right? In the way that the money is manipulated. And I think Bitcoin really helps solve for that so that um, um, ultimately, in, especially in a show that teaches about freedom, one of the biggest freedoms you have is the way that you spend your time, right? Not just the choices Absolutely. you make, but the choices you make with your time and that no one else has, no one else has the right to your time, but you, right? Your time is your own and how you decide to use it. It's one of the biggest things in this, in this life of, of how we choose to use your time. And hopefully, you know, I, I'm a Christian, so I want to hopefully use my time in a way that is going to benefit those around me that um, I'm going to hope, hopefully bless other people's lives. I'm going to serve others and I'm not just going to do it all for me, but obviously I want to take care of my family, but I want to take care of those in my community and voluntarily use my time that way, but that no one else gets to force my time in that way. And I think that's what Bitcoin helps is it helps keep people's choices of how they use their time more within their own decision power because it helps center the money where the real value is coming from, as opposed to people that can kind of be parasites on on other people's time. And that's that's what we don't want, right? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, I think uh, we're going to start wrap it up. So I'm going to make you uh, to the, the last two questions. Uh, and uh, so one of them, I think uh, it's, it's a this is one question that I made to Natalie Brunel, I think, and this is one question that I always wanted to to make it again, and I always forget, but now now <laughs> I remember that. So uh, I think it's a deep question because, um, you know, uh, so okay, so is what has Bitcoin uh, contribute in your life the most besides you know the monetary part? <laughs> yeah, um, one of the biggest things is that it has really opened up my eyes to the way that technology can be used to incentivize good human behavior. Um, so on social media, we have a lot of algorithms that actually promote bad behavior, right? It rewards people arguing and insulting and... Um, and offending and uh the the comments getting really really bad or putting up videos that are very um controversial or that um are not as just not as good for people but if i can get a million views who cares if i can get the money who cares right there there's technology that is rewarding bad behavior right now um out there 
especially that we see in social media. I'm not saying social media is all bad. I think, you know, the demo democratization of video and stuff with things like YouTube and of, of, of information with Google and um, with uh, the transfer of, of ideas and stuff with things like Facebook and Instagram and, and all those, I, I think those are tremendous blessings, but there's also a lot of technology in there built in to reward bad behavior. And I, I love how Bitcoin has changed my view on how technology can be used to reward good behavior, to reward honesty, to reward um, um, people being able to uh, be able to hold on to the value that they're creating. That I think is, is amazing. And I think it doesn't just apply to money. I think it applies obviously to um, a lot of things that we see um, in, in the world around us. I think it's only kind of getting started in the way that technology can really help people bring out the, their best selves rather than rewarding sort of their worst selves like what we see on, on so much of the internet. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I, I was I was thinking that, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, I saw uh, this podcast uh, of Peter McCormack, that is what Bitcoin did. And uh, he was interviewing Jason Lorik, the he's the author of software. And he, ac he actually said that he made this campaign of, on purpose to demonstrate that what you're talking about, the that the social media rewards bad behavior so yep. one of his technique to make marketing it, it was like cheap marketing and sorry jason but it's, it is also peter's mm -hmm. yeah. said but yeah. he said that um uh, he blocked every how is it he blocked every person that uh, some friends liked a tweet that he jason block another person so and you know then another person liked it liked it so he blocked it and then another person commented that okay jason blocked me so he and another person liked it so he blocked him and and he the, the point was that for him he wanted to demonstrate that the twitter algorithm algorithm will uh, make more exposure of his profile doing that thing that it actually is a bad behavior instead of That's you know right. do it on the normal way that you know because right. there's something good you like it and that's it and actually that's what yeah. happened so yeah yeah mm. and but i uh, think that's mm -hmm. i think that that innovation of bitcoin can be like i said extended to other things besides money where where we can find breakthroughs of of our behavior that can be rewarded um technologically rewarded um for for doing the right the right thing and i think that's that's awesome that's a, that's amazing i'd love to see more of that absolutely absolutely yeah and all right uh my last question is um what are you most excited the most about the show and what what can we expect in the near future yeah, so um, I mean, right now I'm really excited because I'm working on it, the season finale, but we have an episode coming up on communism um, All right. that, that, that is going to help kids kind of understand communism better mm -hmm. and where uh, the twins will be able to go back and visit Karl Marx um, wow. <laughs> and learn um, a little bit from him which is going to be really interesting because we've made him into a really, uh, a really interesting character. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he, he, I mean, his personal life was not a great life at all. <laughs> I mean, his ideas were very, his ideas were very destructive, but he, as a person, his, he was not a, a great guy, but um, at any rate, um, that, ex that episode, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, just because, I, I don't know that it's ever been shown. We, we have them going to um, on an amusement ride in kind of another dimension where where um, it's called it's a socialist world <laughs> um, where where they go and learn about the um, kind of at its at its extreme socialism can lead to to communism um, uh -huh. and that um, and how damaging that can be. 
And so um, anyway, that I think that episode will open up a lot of people's eyes and have a lot of potential to get a lot of a lot of things said about it online that are I'm sure a lot of them won't be good. <laughs> but that's that's okay. That's the way this it is with this exactly. show sometimes. All right, all right. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sure. Uh, everything that you're doing, you're working. I, personally, I love the show. That's why I brought you to to the podcast because. Uh, thank you. And even the way that you present the show in the the animation is really cool. Actually, it remembers. Uh, you said Phineas uh, Super. It reminds me of Phineas Super and all the the shows that they were really cool. That I love it when when I was a teenager. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Glad you enjoy it. Thank you. All right. So thank you again. And guys, see you next week. Ciao.